Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Today, I got Tony Rooley with us. He is the co-founder of Intentional Spark where he and his team help clients generate more leads and revenue from their digital advertising. So welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. Grateful to have you here. So um, first question, I typically do start with this, but I think it's a good foundation is just how did you get here? Like, you know, from childhood to, you know, I'm sure there's some ups and downs. Like how did you end up discovering that you were, uh, you know, talented at helping others, you know, grow their business with, by getting uh, leads and, you know, increasing their revenue. Oh man. Uh, I can, let's see if, let's see if I can do this in under 30 minutes. Right. No, I don't have to do that. <laughs> the first question is going to be the whole, yeah. thing. it's a very meandering <laughs> journey to, to get to Facebook ads and Instagram ads, which is like our primary focus. Although we do okay, cool. work with a lot of other ad platforms um, for clients, but um, basically I graduated college with a general degree in undergrad degree in business management, went right into corporate banking, uh, did five years of that and just realized it was not for me. I did not enjoy, uh, corporate life in general, really. Like, you know, I worked with good people, but just did not like having to ask for vacation time, uh, fighting about bonuses or, you know, having a great year, but like I, I started working right in 08. So like the economy tanked, you uh, know, yeah. so but you know, bonuses might freeze. Or there's no real reason given why they can't give you a rate. You know, you're at, you're at the whim of someone else, basically. Yep. Um, so five years of that, you know, got promoted to be a full-time banker, did the whole thing, just got burnt out. At the same time, my wife was a business management consultant at a college. She did five years. She was traveling nonstop, you know, Monday through Friday. We just saw each other on the weekend. She got burnt out. And we both kind of just looked at each other um, and we're like, should we, you know, try something else? Um, and because we're not, we're, we're both pretty conservative when it comes to money. So we both like, we decided about a year before this to actually do it and save up. We eventually quit our jobs and traveled for a year and just was like, let's just see, see, let's have a great trip, see what's going on in the world. Um, didn't really have a goal besides have fun. Uh, but through that, we actually, that's where we kind of started doing social media marketing because, you know, this is back in 2012. It was still somewhat newer people were still figuring it out and we started a travel blog and we were able to get a lot of awesome free, um, you know, like sponsored trips, sponsored overnight oh, stays awesome. at hotels through the blog, just saying, you know, we'll share on social, we'll write an honest review on our blog, you know, and through that we started meeting other people working remotely full time, like web developers, graphic designers, uh, other bloggers that were making a full time living. And it kind of blew our mind uh, about other ways to make a, a living and actually, you know, not just a living, but like really good money. Um, and, you know, we also saw, you know, we saw all the people living in Thailand from the U S that expat community over there where it's like, you know, really cheap in Chiang Mai and some of that, we didn't end up doing that, but it intrigued us. Uh, and so when we came home, we just were like, what can we do to not go back to corporate? And so we kind of just started hustling, picking up random freelance jobs. Most of them were in social media, either, you know, running other people's social media accounts or, you know, dabbling. And basically this is right before I started doing ads. I tried to launch a subscription spice business. So every quarter we curate these like really cool local spices that you couldn't really get. Like one year, one um, quarter we did a uh, barbecue rub, but it was only places that sold 
you know, in a very small radius. So we got like a really good one from um, Austin, but it, they weren't selling in any national grocery stores. Got a good one from like Salt Lake, put them together with some recipes. And so we did, you know, we did about a year of that. And in trying to do that, I taught myself Facebook and Instagram ads. At the time, it was just Facebook ads, um, trying to figure out a way to find customers. And, uh, you know, it was a real slog. I think we were up to like 40 or 50 paying customers, but it was a mess. It was a physical product. I was packaging these things myself, negotiating with the, um, the spice people. Um, it was a lot. And while I was learning ads, I started getting a lot of inbound questions from people I knew, people who I talked to in online communities about how ads work, you know, could I help them with theirs? And my wife one day just turned to me and she said, why don't you just start charging for all this advice? Cause I was getting really busy. So I just started offering, you know, one hour coaching calls or, you know, jumping in to audit someone's account. And that quickly started paying me a lot more than uh, the spice company did. So that that's when I kind of went full time on the ad side. Got it. I love the journey, yeah. man. That's awesome. Yeah, I told you. There's a there's um, a reason I started where I, where I did, but it's a long way to get to ads. Yeah. No. 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 It's it's good, man. I mean, look. I think uh, it's always interesting to me to just hear how you like found what you really wanted to do. Right. Because I think that's how it starts off with a lot of people. Like I've heard that before with like corporate, like they were working in finance or something for years. And then they just, I, I, let, let me ask you that actually, like, so five years, right. What yeah. one day, obviously it was building up, but tell me about the day that you were like, fuck it. <laughs> you were like, I'm done. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I had a lot of those. There wasn't one, like I didn't just one day go quit. Cause I, I'm not that person and neither was my wife. Like we both were like, are we doing this? We kind of hedged about, I would say a year and a half before we actually like had our last days. We were like, you know, if we're going to do this, why don't we just save like we're going to do it? You know? So we downgraded <laughs> yeah. from a, from this awesome two bed condo in Miami to a one bed. It was still awesome, but it was like half the price. Um, and you know, and then we started banking more money away. We're like, well, if, you know, we don't travel, we'll just have some good savings. Um, and then once that started happening, we started seeing that we could save some real money that could actually be a trip. I think it then became really easy to see all those little things that were bugging me, you know, like just having to ask for time off or in corporate banking, uh, we just always, you know, typically you have larger teams, but I helped open a new office in Miami. So we were a pretty small team. And over the okay. holidays, someone always has to be on call in case, you know, a client's trying to get fun, trying to, um, take some money out on the revolving line of credit on like the 23rd or 22nd. Right. And there's an issue or if there's some kind of issue over the holidays, so, you know, like I was planning on taking like two weeks off and traveling and I put it in from my boss, but then something came up and I was kind of was like, Nope, I have to be on call. Now I could work remotely and do that, but I still had to be like laptop on ready to respond. Um, you know, and that's just like one instance of kind of being on someone else's timetable and schedule. But between that and having to, you know, plead for raises or bonuses um, and not feeling like listened to, it just all slowly added up for me. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. I wasn't sure if you like, uh, you know, ripped out the fax machine and beat the shit out of it or something. <laughs> no, no, I never, I never go, I never burn bridges that way. I'm always like, you know, know, you never know. Maybe, maybe I have to go back hat in hand in a year um, and beg for a job. So I was like, maybe I'm not going to torch this place. Um, cause I didn't have a plan besides I was just going to travel. Um, so, uh, let me, 
ask this now. So obviously a lot of our listeners are like, everybody wants to know really, honestly, like anybody who's a business owner um, wants to know how to increase their leads and their revenue through digital advertising. And I hear a lot of people struggle, uh, struggle with it. So uh, I think first place, let's start with like a story of someone. And I don't know if you can name their name. Great. If not, no worries. But um, just someone who came to you with a business and then after you worked with them on their Facebook and Instagram ads, the impact that it had. And then after that story, I'd love to dive into like some tactics, like what, what exactly you're doing? Like, how are you targeting? So, well, before I get out of control here, let's start with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can share any names, but like, yep. cause there's, there's, there's two types of people we work with. We'll work with people that, you know, haven't really run ads before, but they usually have, um, a sizable business already or sizable success. So, you know, they're, they're taking, they're, they're generating leads organically. And, and then I can pretty much do some calculations and tell them like, look, ads are pretty much going to work for you just based on like what your costs are and what our targets would need to be for it to be profitable for you. Um, and then, but when I have, we have worked with clients, um, you know, who are just starting out, that's much more, we have a coaching program and that's where we work with a lot of people that are on smaller spends, just starting out. Um, and it can be a huge difference. So I guess I'll, there's this woman, Krista, she has a couple different businesses. She has a, um, the business business where she, um, helps designers grow their business. But then she also has a second business where she teaches people how to run their own online summits. Um, and she had tried ads a couple times, hadn't really seen a lot of success and, you know, success being generating, you know, cheap leads, like, you know, two, $3 or less but really making money from that um, because there's always things to do that will get you cheap leads. But if those, it, it, what matters is if those people will ultimately buy from you. Um, mm -hmm. And so what we worked with her on, what we work with most new people on, and I would, I, you know, I tell everyone this, if you're going to start with ads or even just your own organic social promotion or really anything, try and have a tripwire funnel set up. And if you're not familiar with that term, it's also called like a welcome mat. That's a friendlier term. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's the idea of offering like a free opt-in and then immediately like on the thank you page, it's like check your email for that free offer. But before you go, here's a special bonus. Here's a special limited time offer, you know, typically lower price, 20, $30 or less. Um, and the goal and the reason I really preach that people who run ads use tripwires is it not only lets you recoup some of your ad spend right away, even if only a small portion of people buy every person that buys you know, reduces your total costs on ads because it goes right back to you. Um, yeah. But also it helps uh, you figure out which audiences aren't just opting in cheaply, but are actually buying. Because sometimes the cheapest opt-ins don't buy as much as more expensive opt-in audiences. Um, and so Krista built a, a couple of tripwires. The first one or two, I think she tested, didn't do great. They did okay. You know, they, they generated like a 30 or 40% return on ad spend, meaning, you know, she'd spend... $10 on an ad and get three or $4 back. So she wasn't profitable, but you know, it was helping her reduce her costs. Um, but then she, on her fourth, on her third, I think actually third or fourth tripwire she launched. Um, it was a great offer. Uh, she had a great tripwire behind the free offer. And then she actually added in a couple upsells after that. So if someone did buy the tripwire, she then had a higher priced upsell. Okay. And pretty much immediately, you know, she was spending $20 a day and she was making 60. So actual like, profit on that ad spend and she's gone now in the last and this is pretty recent but you know we've done this a couple of times with people um 
you know, she went from spending 20 to $30 a day. Now she's spending $200 a day and still seeing that kind of return. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I always want to caution people. Sometimes you, people hear this and they're like, this is what I should expect right away. So that's why I really wanted to tell Krista's story because, you know, she tried three or four different funnels and versions and ad copy and audiences to make it work. Um, you know, so, ads are not an ATM machine, but no, no. Work, and I think that well. that's the story that a lot of people hear. And that's what they think. They're like, Oh, I'm just going to put in a thousand and take out 10. And I'm like, oh. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like, the first part, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think, um, uh, I guess we could use like an example or something, or I guess just answer, answer theoretically, like is the first part just like putting in a bunch of audiences and then, you know, just kind of seeing, because there's so many different things to test. I think that's why so many people fail at it. Right. And they don't know what, what is working and what isn't working about it because what'll happen is, they'll try this thing and it doesn't work. And then they scrap everything and try a new thing. And really what they should probably do is just like, just edit one part, like edit the copy, try again, edit the picture, try again. So how do you like, what's your process from start to finish on how you're testing and then finding a winning advertisement? Yeah. And what I usually tell people is, you know, you have your offer offer and let's just say it's someone who hasn't really tested the offer. Right. So we don't know, how good the free opt-in is, how good the product is. We don't know what percentage of people buy. So we'll, we'll just start from scratch. Um, you make some ad copy, you do some images, maybe you do a video, you get the ad creator ready. Um, and then you launch to some audiences and you could start, I recommend if you're, you know, ideally you're optimizing for a lead, you know, you want about 20 to $25 a day of budget just because Facebook in an ideal world needs about 50 conversions per week in an, in an ad set, which is where you build your audiences for it to fully optimize. And when it's fully optimized, that's when Facebook tries to find you cheaper and cheaper leads. Um, and so usually I recommend at least 20, $25 a day in ad spend. So per odd, per ad set, per audience. Um, if you don't have any existing email list or any engagement already on social, then you can start with some general interest audiences. Um, you know, you can go in, there's a place in the ad manager called audience insights where you can kind of put in some general things that you might think your audience would be interested in. And then it'll show you other things they're interested in that you could target the size of those audiences. So you can start general, but if you do have an email list, if you do have social media following and you have some engagement already there, you can build what's called lookalike audiences off of those. And those are really the most powerful. So, you know, the example would be taking your email, take your email list, if you're an author, maybe you have say a thousand emails of people who maybe bought your last book or who signed up for a wait list for your upcoming book. Um, you can load that into Facebook and then make a lookalike audience of say 1%, which just means it's 1%. And if this is you, if you're just targeting people in the U S it'd be 1% of everybody in the U S uses Facebook that looks the most like your email list. Um, and so that can God. be really powerful. Now what's the, I know there's an, is the minimum a thousand for that lookalike? Uh, it's a hundred, but it's a hundred that Facebook has to find. So if you gave it an email list of a hundred people, it might only find 60 or 70 of them that use that email to make a Facebook account. So usually I recommend, you know, if you have an email list of like 125 or more, Facebook usually can find a hundred people to make that custom audience out of. So you can make the lookalike. Okay. So, so just to be clear on that, if you can do a lookalike, you would recommend that over the trial and error of all these, not random, obviously they're like thought out audiences, but 
you would choose that direction? Yeah, all things being equal, I tend to always start with lookalikes if possible. Um, And there might be a reason is, um, you know, there might be a reason for it for doing interest over lookalike. Maybe you have an email list. Like, let's let's stick with like an author, right? Maybe the last Mm -hmm. book you wrote has nothing to do with the current book you're writing. So maybe your email list is full of people that you're like, "These, these people aren't my ideal audience, you know, for my new book. So maybe it makes sense then to do more of an interest focus. Um, but you know, if your email list is a great seed audience for that lookalike, then that's definitely where I like to start as a lookalike of that. Got it. Okay. Love it. Okay. Now, how much are you doing? Obviously you're doing like retargeting, right? Yep. We always love to do retargeting for sure. And that's, we love, I mean, if that's the only thing you're going to do, that's, that's fine. That's where you should start. Yeah, that that's what I say. So, because for me, how I've built most of my business is through partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, like we will handle the marketing for for books, and then what I do is I just I, I do like fifteen or twenty calls a week with publishers, ghostwriters, editors, and book designers because they offer complimentary services that we do. And right. then I just create these partners. So I literally have like hundreds of publishers and ghostwriters and such that send us their clients that have the budget uh, for our book marketing services. And that's done extremely well. But then on top of it, what I do is I, you know, I have a pixel in the website. So then anybody that, you know, does take a look at it, they get retargeted with video testimonials. Yeah. Um, but I am going to try now that you said it, because like we've literally launched almost a thousand books for people. And I was just thinking like, I need to go back and uh, like, it'll take a while, I think, to gather all of it. Cause I don't unfortunately have it under one like list. Um, but I should create a lookalike audience out of that, of those yeah, people. Because they're 100%. all paying clients, like literally. Yeah. Yep. Because what Facebook will do is, you know, there might be some random things in there that jump out. Like maybe you would never think about it, but a lot of those people like certain you know, like famous personalities, right? And so there's all these like tranches of interest that might be in that list. And Facebook will start being like, okay, these people like a lot of these things, like they over-index for really loving, you know, maybe like honestly for authors, like maybe these people over-index for loving um, Oprah, right? Because, you know, Oprah's book club or whatever. So Facebook on the the lookalike might grab some of those people, some others, and then it'll test and try and figure out, you know, of that lookalike what's working well. Um, but a hundred percent make some lookalikes and test it. Um, and for yeah. authors, especially I've always, I mean, this works for most people, but for authors, a lot of it too is, I think you and I've talked about this, like some of the game yeah. for authors is trying to get on bestseller lists. And, um, I think you say, you know, you, you've, you've, you've done it where you've gotten people who've launched a couple of years ago to get back on a bestseller list, right? Yeah. Yeah. We just did one that hit number one wall street and his book was out 2014. Yeah. And so, but a lot of that is buzz, right? Like getting enough. And it's always shocking to me. It's, it's, it's fewer books than at least I would think you need to get onto a bestseller. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and it's, isn't it often based on velocity, like how, how many books recently and um, yeah. So it's all about for, for wall street and USA today, it's all about a uh, week. So Sunday to Saturday, yeah. how many sales, uh, within a week. And then, but it's also about diversity. So like, you don't want all the sales to come from one place. You want some from Barnes and Noble, Amazon, maybe even like Kobo. Some yeah. Other stores. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and so for like authors and building that buzz, you know, making some, I, I specifically video ads it doesn't have to be, you know, the author talking, but it could just be videos with like text overlays moving, but doing video ads, a large cold lookalike audiences promoting the book 
lets you then re you can retarget all those video viewers, everybody that's engaged and then give them a more direct offer. You know, um, it's not as, it's not going to be as strong as retargeting, you know, people that actually have hit like one of your sales pages or something, but that could be a yeah. really good way to prospect for an author to, because number one, all these people are going to see your videos, see that your book's out and you can target what audiences, but then if they watch half of it or you know, 95% of it, you can then give them an ad saying, come buy my book, you know, and you could send them whatever store you want. Um, and those yeah. video ads aren't that expensive. So it, it's a pretty effective way to get your message out. Oh yeah. No, I always find that crazy. Like what you can spend on Facebook and, and look to me, it, it, it needs to be about, uh, you know, cause people want to return. Right. And I, I'm curious what your thoughts on this, like measuring success with advertising. I, I think it, it needs to be about the return on the investment. Right. Cause if you yep. only measure, like I I've heard others and they're, they're like, yeah, I got, you know, my client thousands of clicks and it's like, okay, well, like what did that turn into? You know, like, that, right. That, yes. So, but I will say just from like a branding standpoint, like, I don't, I think it could be off on this a little, but I feel like a hundred dollars for a Facebook video ad, you could easily reach like 10,000 views for like a hundred bucks, you know, like maybe yeah. more. Um, yeah, no. And I think, and I think you're right. Like that would be, and the goal isn't just views then that you can read, you know, the views yeah. are nice, right? Like you're getting the message out to a lot of people that, that alone, maybe those people share it with friends, tag their friends and that helps, but it's about getting those views so you can retarget them and actually then track you know, exactly converting to sales. Yeah. Got it. Um, so, okay. So it's mostly Instagram and Facebook, right? You said, do you do any, uh, advert well you do. So what other platforms do you do advertising for? Yeah, we lead with Facebook and Instagram. Um, you know, I found like we do cause we offer full creative creation as well. And so that's like creative there is super important. Um, okay. as opposed to there's some other platforms where, you know, creative might not be the most important thing. Um, but we just, that's tend to be most of our inbound um, people that have reached out to um, just wanted to talk us through those. But once we're working with someone, we'll also then, you know, do Google ads, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Snapchat. Um, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, you know, what we find is that for certain people and certain businesses, there are platforms that make more sense than others. Um, but for the most part, Facebook and Instagram is pretty universal. Um, you know, just yeah. because, and you know, same with Google ads to some degree, it's just more competitive and expensive, but like everybody's using those things. Um, but you know, with Pinterest, it, it, we only recommend Pinterest if we think their audience is on Pinterest. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, one of my friends was telling me that she's been like, like there's some, I can't remember what the name of this app is, but it's somehow it like helps you like post all these things on, or like pin them on your boards and then it like keeps reposting them and, and, and it gets you a bunch of views. I, I don't know what it was. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Pinterest, I feel like is, is very, it, it can be a hidden gem if your market's there. Cause I don't think there's much competition unless I, I could be wrong. Like I've never advertised on Pinterest. No. Um, and Pinterest is different from a lot of the other platforms where uh, if you run an ad, even if you turn the ad off, it still lives on as a organic pin for a while. So like, uh, you know, you run an ad, it's doing well, or maybe it even did, didn't do great. So you turn it off, but people can still repin it, share it. Um, and so, you know, it can have a lot of positive after effects, but it, it it's a little slow to get started as far as like finding success there and testing. So, um, you know, okay. we usually don't start with Pinterest, but yeah, for the right audience, if, if they thought they're, you know, if an author thought their people were on Pinterest, it could be a really good start. Got it. 
So um, curious too, like what's your, uh, w- with the company and, and, and with you personally, like what's kind of the overall like vision that you see d- down the road? Like is, is, is the main focus always going to be Instagram, um, Facebook, or, or I mean, probably generating leads because who knows the social platforms might change as time progresses. I mean, they probably will. Um, but what's the overall goal uh, for you? Like where do you see things in the next five or 10 years? Yeah, we definitely focus on full funnel marketing um, okay. with paid ads. So what, what that means is like, you know, we, yes, cheap leads, but we really work with clients to help if they don't have a full understanding of their marketing funnel, we work with them on it. You know, we want to make sure that we're not just getting them leads, but that we're getting them a return to what we talked about earlier. Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's really not on the ad side. Like sometimes we'll hit numbers with ads in the right audiences and it's still not profitable. And we'll talk to clients and just say, you know, the, you know, your landing pages or your sales pages are converting at, you know, lower than what we'd expect, you know, let's work on that. Um, And so I think that's always needed. You know, if you, if you can focus on full funnel marketing um, and like, you know, you said, like I, we, right now we're focused on Facebook and Instagram. Um, It's so ubiquitous. Everybody's there. We can still get great results for people. Um, but really we, whatever platform makes the most sense for our clients is where we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's why we're, we still work in other platforms. And if something grows or comes along that we think has a better chance to generate a return, you know, we'll shift more and more resources there. Um, right now, you know, I don't know if Facebook or Instagram is going to be going anywhere over the next couple of years. It, it really is more of a, so many people are there. It's just hard to leave. You know, you see all these campaigns yeah, about leaving Facebook or Instagram, but people stay. Um, it yeah. hasn't totally affected it. And so, you know, I, everyone comes back. And so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm open to other avenues. Um, you know, right now we're, um, on a very small level, potentially trying out a partnership with a more of a direct sales marketing agency. So they do more like direct mail, um, and PR, mm-hmm. you know, and so we're helping them, some of their clients running their clients, digital ads, but, you know, I have no problem recommending more old school marketing, you know, digital, uh, you know, whether it's print PR, um, direct mail to our clients either, if that's what works best. Cause I'm really, we're platform agnostic. We just want to have see success for clients. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's, it's Gary V talks about that a lot where he's like, look, it's not about the platform. It's about where the attention is. He's like, I don't give yeah. a shit about the platform. <laughs> like, right. Exactly. Goes here, I'm going there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I'm, like we're watching TikTok. you know, the ag platform's new yep. over there, but we're, we're going to see how that does. Um, yeah, you never know. So you kind of always just want to be ready. Definitely. Um, so kind of last part of the interview that I'm, I want to ask is, do you have any, you know, obviously you're running a business, so you definitely are a high performer. Like, do you have any, uh, like rituals in the morning routines? Like what's your like typical day look like as far as like routine also like diet, like how do you stay energized to, I'm sure some days you're working like 12 hours a day. Um, like, yeah, how do you do it? Uh, well, I would say, you know, honestly, that's the great thing about working for myself is I make my own hours. So yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of 12 hour days. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I could, right. But I, I've really tried not to have any last minute days. And I think it's helped as we've built our team out. So there aren't, I'm not as client, um, focused day to day. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when it was just me and we didn't have a team and, multiple clients had issues or things they wanted to launch. Maybe I'd have a crazy day, but now I'm, I'm able to manage it a little better. 
So my normal routine is I, you know, all things being equal, I like to get up early. Um, so I usually get up like five, five 30. It's a little quieter. There's no one hitting me up in Slack yet. Um, you know, I I have a coffee. (laughs) I usually do like five to 10 minutes of like a quick meditation. Um, I read a little, you know, if I have a book or, um, something, I'm li- something I'm listening to like an audio book, maybe do a half hour of that and then, uh, organize my day. So I try and map out my day either the night before or in the morning, kind of in time blocks of like what I want to be focusing on. Doesn't always work, but it's been the most effective thing for me is trying to stay on track. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, I don't have a ton. That's most of my normal yeah. like, everyday reoccurring things. Well, no, it's, it seems like you have a, like a pretty good balance. Is that accurate? Yeah, I hope so. I really, I mean, the whole, we, my wife and I, we, the whole point of us leaving corporate life was to, you know, set our own schedule. So, yeah. you know, t- we like to take, you know, if, if we, if something comes up, if it's an amazing snow day on the mountain, we want to go out on Thursday and, and, and do that. Right. And, uh, you know, we might then work on a Saturday if we had to, but oftentimes we don't have to, but you know, it's, that's part of the reason we wanted to work for ourselves and have flexibility was to be able to do that. Definitely, man. I love it. Yeah. Um, so look, thanks for coming on. L- last question. I mean, the floor is yours, uh, website, social media, um, any other, anything else that you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, so it's Tony Ruley. Our website's intentionalspark.com. Uh, anybody feel free to email me at Tony at intentionalspark.com. If you have questions about ads or marketing funnels or anything else. Um, and I know we talked about, um, you know, people getting overwhelmed when they go look in the ads manager. Uh, a lot of that is like, they give you so many metrics. You're not sure how to do the reporting. We have a free video training bundle that kind of walks you through how to set up custom reporting, actually be able to track your full funnel, what metrics matter. Um, and people can grab that. If they just go to intentionalspark.com forward slash authors unite, they'll be able to grab that too. Awesome. Thanks for um, offering that to the audience and, and thanks yeah. for sharing your wisdom with us. Cool. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. The Authors Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com. Your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact.